Welcome. We are thrilled to have this many people show up tonight. My name is Bonnie Knorr. I'm with the Friends in the Knox County Public Library, and we welcome you to this evening's book and author event. I see lots of familiar faces, and I see faces that I don't know. We're thrilled to have you. We are here tonight in part to celebrate the library's 125th anniversary, and it is also the Knoxville News Sentinel 125th anniversary, and you may have noticed quite a bit of coverage about Marianne Wiggins in the local newspaper, so please thank the Knoxville News Sentinel for giving us all that coverage. Um, tonight's event would not have happened if you had left it up just to us, the Friends of the Knox County Public Library. The person who really made this happen is on staff with the Knox County Library. She's Director of Communications, and her name is Mary Palm Claiborne. And <laughs> She is organized. She gets things done. The Friends of the Library, we are about fostering a love of books, libraries, and reading in Knox County. And we are delighted to bring here to Knoxville a writer whose extensive and distinguished list of books is evidence of a life devoted to the imagination and the artistry of words. In particular, Marianne Wiggins' novel, Evidence of Things Unseen, published in 2003, brings us to an earlier time in our regions. In the pages of Marianne Wiggins' transcendent fiction, we feel the presence of the past. We meet Mary Utopia Rothrock, for whom the Friends Daily Bookstore is named. We hear the continuing debate between those who accept the theory of evolution and those who reject it. We see the land now lying beneath the waters controlled by TVA. We see the men and women who worked at Site X in Oak Ridge, and against these backdrops, we feel, even in the face of loss, that we are not alone. Evidence of things unseen reminds us about why most people read books, to find out about ourselves and to find out about the world. Please welcome a talented guide to our discovery of our region, our past, ourselves, and the world, Mary Ann Wiggins. Thank you, Bonnie, and thank you, the redoubtable women of volunteers with the Knoxville Library. I will get to them later, because I've spent the last 72 hours with them. I'm going to read. A litany, it goes like this. No flood, no TVA. No TVA, no cheap electric power. No cheap electric power, no factories. No factories, no aluminum. No aluminum, no long-distance bombers. No long-distance bombers, no atomic bomb. No atomic bomb, no Oak Ridge, Tennessee. When the war broke out, everybody thought the critical material that was going to win it for our side was going to be aluminum. Aluminum, aluminum, aluminum. The whole combatant world was trading in its gold to get some. And there was only one country on earth that had the resources, the energy, and the manpower to manufacture it in quantities to satisfy demand. Whichever side could out-aluminize the other first was sure to win the war. Until, that is, the demand for something else became more critical. 
until the critical material that was going to win the war turned out to be something that, until 1940, even the smartest men could only guess existed. Since the Earth was formed, it remained disguised, a thing that might exist, if only. If only something smaller than a particle of dust could be made to travel like an eight ball aimed at tiny targets in an atom of uranium, then, like billiard balls carooming on a mirrored table, you might begin an action where one thing strikes another, which ricochets to strike another in a self-sustaining chain reaction. Fission was the name the smart boys gave this process. Fission in the nuclear family, the power that binds it all together, is multiplied a thousandfold when things begin to split apart. The more fissionable the substance is, like a legendary breaking heart, the greater the destructive force is when it explodes. To make a big explosion, the scientists went looking for a breaking heart in matter a fissionable substance. And that fissionable substance became the critical material that was going to win the war. Plutonium. Plute. Don't try to find it on your own. You won't. Even God didn't recognize it at creation. To make it, first you have to make elements extracted from uranium. From, say, two tons of uranium at a cost of, say, several hundred million dollars, you might extract a button of very fissionable material the size of a dime, which eventually decays into a relatively stable metal, the color of a chicken liver. (laughs) Plute. Because of the activity in its atoms, plute is always warm. The first woman to hold a pellet of it told her husband it had felt like holding a small rabbit in her hand. Whole eras, our hero knew, had been lived by men when not a jot of history had been written. Whole ages had gone down in history when not a single army overran the land. No marauding horde attacked the gates. No miracles of science had been revealed. No savior was forsworn, no prophets born. In all the ages into which he may have been born, he might have coincided with those empty times, those unwritten pages, or the plague, or Pericles, or Christ. Instead, he got two wars. He got the Kaiser and the Hun and mustard gas. He got Mr. Hitler. He got Mr. Hirohoto. He got Albert Einstein. Well, I got Knoxville. Uh, I got Knoxville. I had a choice. I had a choice among three. Site X, well, you know where that is. Um, Site, let me see, I can't even read without. Site Y, which was Los Alamos. And Site W, it was called Hanford. Now, why did I want to write about all these three sites? Obviously, are places where you know the atom- members of the Manhattan Club. Um, and what made me want to write about the atomic bomb? I will get into. But let me just deal with why Knoxville is the best of those three. Um, first of all, 
to write about Los Alamos, there weren't ordinary people. I mean, there, that was a, the, the physicist club and their wives, because most of them were, were men. Um, I knew that if I were going to write about the atomic bomb, that the only way that I could do that with any humanity was to find some ordinary guy um, who was just going to, history was going to find him, he was going to walk into this, he didn't, he wasn't a physicist, he didn't know, he was the reader. I had to find somebody that could be the reader to lead us through this because I am not a physicist. So I was going to make gigantic mistakes. I know I made mistakes with the history of Knoxville, but boy, you have no idea how many mistakes I made when it comes to physics. Um, so I needed um, someone who could take the blame for all of that. Um, some ordinary kind of guy. Uh, and I also knew to propel the reader to keep those pages turning. And because it is my nature, I wanted to write a love story. So I, I had this idea about the atomic bomb, and I'll tell you how I got there. But I knew in order to write a book that would have more than 10 readers, I had to find a human being, which is not to say that, you know, um, Fermi and, and Feynman aren't fantastic people about whom to write novels. I just don't have the temperament to do that. So I knew that Los Alamos... It's kind of out of the question. I wasn't going to find some ordinary Joe Public guy who was going to wander into that site. It didn't happen. Los Alamos was, just wasn't structured that way. That gave me Site W, Hanford, and Site X. Um, at the time that I made the decision to write the, not the atomic bomb novel, um, I was living in London. I had been living there for 15 years. That was an excerpt from An Evening with Marianne Wiggins, sponsored by Friends of the Library in honor of the 125th anniversary of Knox County Public Library. Subscribe to the book and author events calendar on the library's website, www.knoxlib.org, to be notified of future author appearances. Join the Friends of the Library, like us on Facebook, listen to other podcasts, and share them with your friends. Thank you for supporting the Knox County Public Library.